Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It is draft day, April 23rd, 2020. Hopefully you guys are staying safe wherever you are and, of course, staying indoors. And we'll all get through this together. It's the second hour of our show. Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzapia, who's in the house for Joe Ranieri. And Joe is uh, Joe Pizzapia with me, Joe Ranieri, working on the draft tonight. We've got our big special tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern. And I know that, uh, Joe, we're all real fired up for this one. We have not had a lot to look forward to in sports. And the draft is not something that I obsess over every year, but I got to say I am way more into it this year than I have been in years past. There just is not a lot happening. And so I think the entire sports world and gambling world is going to be gravitating over to us tonight. Yeah, that's the amazing part, too, is the gambling world of who's going to go where and how much. I feel like that has heated up so much year over year. Um, And maybe it's because of the void of other sports. I'm sure that's a a good part of it. But it's also part of sports wagering and how it's grown so much even year over year and will continue to grow as other states and other places allow it. And uh, look, it's, again, uh, fantasy, wagering, it's how we consume the games. And there's things that I'm going to miss about the NFL draft. I'm going to miss everybody booing Roger Goodell. I'm going to boo him from home. I hope everyone else does. (laughs) Okay. Uh, There's... I, I will not miss the weird breaks of having some sort of, I don't know, some random performance by somebody, which, I again, these weird things happen at the NFL draft. Like, oh, let's let's throw it off here to this random country music act or this random hip-hop artist. Or, I will not miss any of that. Uh, I will miss some of those feel-good moments where somebody gets to go to the podium and give somebody, uh, you know, that draft card. You know, you always like that. I know the NFL does a really good job with that. Uh, and we're going to miss... I think those moments where the kids get to hold up that jersey of that team for the first time. So how are they going to do that? Are they going to have like just boxes of jerseys in front of the kids and they're just going to go and run to whatever box is that team and just pull it out and that's the one that they're going to have? I think the hat is likely. The jersey just the hat. would seem to be unlikely, but I would think that they could pull it off with that. I think Joe Burrow will get a jersey, don't you? I think Joe Burrow will get a jersey. I think Chase Young will have a jersey. I think Tua probably has... They give know, him three jerseys. A few jerseys. <laughs> yeah, but... but, the, but uh, but CeeDee Lamb, I don't think, has a jersey. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, who knows? Maybe he will. I, it's it's fascinating for everybody to be able to watch tonight. There it could there could be a lot of uh, technical stuff happening. Who knows? But uh, I think that's going to be just as much of the story. Is as anyone betting on that? Is anyone betting on technical difficulties? There, or there are there are props that we are not allowed to talk about here on this show, unfortunately, because okay. we can't we can't apply those. So, uh, but gotcha. Fanduel Fanduel does not have them. Let's just put it that way. So got to move on from there um okay so uh wanted to touch on the buccaneers here a little bit in this segment because although me and and joe ranieri yesterday we did sort of get into it here we get into it a little bit deeper with you joe because you you have followed and have been a patriots fan for a long period of time and i think that you're going into your first year as a patriots fan uncertain for the first time in a long time but before we get to the patriots i want to get to the bucks like what are they doing here like (laughs) like i like I, i get it you look it's funny. Somebody asked me for a comparison, and I have a baseball comparison, actually. Yeah. It's the Marlins, um, right? <laughs> uh, well, no. The, the Marlins won a World Series by signing all of those players, but they were all in their prime. 
And Gary Sheffield was in his prime. Moises Alou was in his prime. Uh, Benia was in his prime. Kevin Brown was in his prime. True. This reminds me of the actual the team that plays 20 miles from them, the Rays. When they signed Canseco, when Wade Boggs and Fred McGriff, <laughs> like Gronk may be headed to the Hall of Fame. Brady's headed to the Hall of Fame, but you're Definitely. getting them at the end. And yeah. and I know Barry Sanders had a really funny tweet the other day, essentially saying, uh, you know, that he's not coming back to play. <laughs> and uh, Calvin Johnson's name has been thrown out there. And everyone is sort of poking fun at it. But, like, I look at Tampa Bay and all this inflation on their odds, their odds to win and their win totals and all that. And, and look, I, I think Brady will probably be good. I'm not sure, but I think he'll probably be good. But this is probably going to be an under for me in every possible way that I could find with the Buccaneers this year. They're going to just be so heavily inflated with popularity, but popularity doesn't really equal <laughs> wins. I'm not rooting against Brady. I mean, I would love to see him play well. I'd love to see him play in the Super Bowl again. It'd be great. But Brady and Gronk reunited for this. I mean, we should be talking a lot more about the other two receivers that he has. I mean, that's really the key to the Bucks this year. Well, I think the one is Godwin, too. That's the guy to keep your eye on because that's the guy that fits. And and now that Gronk is there, too, will they be running a lot of two tight end sets? Will they have him and O.J. Howard? Because they haven't moved O.J. Howard yet as of us recording Not as this. of this show. As of this show. That hasn't happened Maybe yet. Maybe it happened during the Maybe. show. We missed it. Maybe that. it happened during the show. Maybe not. Who knows? What I'm saying is... Uh, media coverage does not always equal wins. We've seen a lot of great mercenary teams over the years. Uh, some have success, uh, like the 96 Yankees, a team that had Jimmy Key and David Cohn and Daryl Strawberry and Prince Fielder yeah, and Wade great. Boggs, right? A bunch of guys towards the end of their career for the most part, too, and they were able to win. Tim Raines was on that team, right? It reminds me of the 96 Yankees more than anything because that was a team that had a good young core, had guys like... You could say Evans and Godwin on it, right? You could you put that. You don't sure. see this in the NFL very often where you t- – because it's usually a young man's game where you have some older players coming in. The funny thing with Gronk is he's only 30. So age-wise, he's not old. But I can tell you from watching the last year at Gronk, I felt like he had lost a step, a significant step. And everybody knew it. And he, you got the very – the last effort out of him – uh, you know, in that run in the playoffs, and it was good enough to get by and good enough to get one more ring. And then he signed that deal with WWE this past year for a year, which is down in Orlando where the Performance Center is. You know, they're up in Connecticut, but the Performance Center is where they're doing a lot of stuff out of. And um, it makes sense. He's already basically in that Florida area. So why not put Gronk with a guy? I think a lot of the draws Arians, too. Wouldn't you say that getting to play for the anti-Belichick, because I love Bruce Arians, but he is the anti-Belichick in every oh, possible way. Yeah, in that way. sense, yes. But, but I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Joe and I talked about this yesterday, but it doesn't seem like Arians has really utilized the tight end position. No, uh, he hasn't. Last- and who, that's the thing. Was he, are, are you, I, you know, I probably should have done a better job of this looking this up before the show. But was no, he, he hasn't. Is Heath Miller essentially the only tight end that's had any kind of production? Basically, yeah. I mean, even in the short stint with the Colts there, it wasn't a huge tight end offense. It never has been. But here's the difference is the difference is he's also never had Tom Brady. He had a young Ben Roethlisberger, who he helped make into something. He had a young Andrew Locke, where he could basically lay out everything. And they had an older Carson Palmer, who was adaptable at that point in his career. Tom Brady is going to go in and tell you what Tom Brady wants to do and how Tom Brady wants to do it. And I think you let Tom Brady do those things. So the question is, what's left in the Gronk tank? The question is, can Brady adapt to a different scenario? And I think no matter what, it's going to be great television. It's going to be fun to watch. 
Whether or not it equates to wins, I don't know because we've seen a lot of other mercenary teams like the Lakers with, you know, Carl Malone and Gary Payton. Then we've seen the 92 Mets. Remember when they had like uh, Eddie Murray and Willie Randolph and all those guys and it just bombed out. And I remember yeah. too the, the Mo Vaughn, Jeremy Burnett's Mets too bombed out, you know. Given good example, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, you have these two different ends of the spectrum where you can bring in the mercenary team of the veterans who have been there, mix them with the young guys, and it works. And then you have the times where you bring in the veterans and it just completely falls apart too. And it's going to be one or the other. Uh, and the problem is too, Craig, no matter who you add to this team, aren't they still looking up at the Saints? I mean, look at that Saints roster. It's incredible the talent that roster has. I don't know what they need in the draft. Maybe a linebacker because Kiko's hurt. I mean, that would be the one place I would go if I'm them. No, this, the Saints will be the favorite. But, look, the the Bucks have to be improved just eliminating sure. mistakes. I mean, that. I mean, you're, you're losing 25 interceptions potentially this year. I well, speaking of mistakes, too, that's the one thing when you go back, and I'm sure you could point to it, too, when you look at the Tampa Bay season of 2019 – mistakes were the undoing of it like you can't of throw course. 30 plus picks and you can't put that much pressure on defense and you can't do all those things the one thing that brady at this point in his career is going to do is you imagine he's still going to protect the football pretty well and not be a turnover machine the way winston was and if he's just anything close to that kind of tom brady again why can't you win 10 games i think 10 wins is very reasonable i'm curious do you know offhand what the what they're setting that bar at or nine. that hasn't come out yet nine, nine? I, think, yeah. I think 10 is very achievable for that team now the question is, what do they do with a running game to try to balance this offense? For and, and that's that's what's that's troubling what they to don't me. Do. But that but that's what's troubling to me with this whole Buccaneer situation is that very similar to uh, Denver's, where uh, you know they bring in Royce Freeman and then they bring in another running back there. Mm-hmm. Um, it it reminds me a little of that with Tampa Bay. Like, I mean, you just drafted. I'm not saying Ronald Jones is good because I don't think he is. But you just drafted Ronald Jones. I mean, you just – I mean, just within the last two years. Well, you just years drafted O.J. Howard. Like, where, <sighs> like, you really think you went wrong? And that's that's why we know the Bucs are all in on this year. I mean, you're you're punting those two guys, like, essentially. Right. And I mean, I the Bucs are and, coming out of this with a running back, out of this draft. With a, I mean, probably, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pro- I mean, it may not be one of the yes. top guys we know, but they're going to have a somebody in this draft. Look, if anybody who's watched the Patriots the last four or five years knows – the last four or five years, they've propped up Brady considerably with a running game, whether it be Sony Michelle, James White, whether it be uh, Deion Lewis. They are they are utilizing the running backs. And look, Brady's also you know, realized, too, the Edelman short passing game is their version of a run game. So it's kind of the same thing. You know, Brady's not going to throw the ball downfield the way James Winston can. I'm not saying he can't throw the ball downfield. They're just not in the same way with the same frequency and the same strength that Winston can. So Godwin's the guy that you love here. But – I don't understand. Like last year, both those guys went over a thousand yards. Both those guys were top ten fantasy wide receivers. You're not going to just drop in forty something year old Tom Brady and they're going to get better than that. So I, I think one of them is going to lose out. And my money's on Evans personally. I mean, it, it could it could be. I mean, we it's. I mean, look, Arians is a guy that no matter who the quarterback there is, the guy is airing it out. And maybe this is Brady's last dance with. with well, it's definitely his last dance. But at the same time, I. If, if I asked you, you know, with Gronkowski coming back, do you think that there's enough to the narrative of, eh, I had a year off, my body feels really good? Your body well, can feel great, but it doesn't mean you didn't, you haven't lost a step. I'll, I'll tell you this. Yesterday on the show, mm-hmm. we, uh, I came up with a Craig Mish uh, gambling line. 
and I'll throw the same thing. I'll throw a Joe oh, Ranieri. Right. And he, he, Joe thought it was a good a good line because when I give you a line, mm -hmm. here's how here's how I know that I give you something good. I go like this. <sighs> if you go well, hmm, then I know yeah. I got you. If you give me okay. an answer right away, then I know it's a bad line. All right, I going, got a number in my head. Know. Let's get it. So the total amount of catches for Gronkowski in 2020. So that's what we're going to do here. I'm giving you your five seconds to think about it. Total amount of catches. And I'm setting the line at 37 and a half catches. Over. Joe went under. Yeah, see, I think that's an over. I mean, even the last season he had, didn't he catch 60 40. balls? I want 40, okay. It was only 40. He did miss. He did miss time that season too. And, that's and, right. and that's what. And that's yeah, what you're we right. Were discussing yesterday. That's what he was banking on too. He was saying, "Oh, it's missing on time." Yeah. Games, you know. Listen, yeah. I don't know the answer to that, but that, I'm trying to create action on both sides. I'm, I'm trying to create action where then it worked out perfect. That he thought under you think over. That's what we want. Yeah, I mean. If he plays 16 games, it's an easy. Oh over. yeah, of course it's easy. Over well, that. but you can't necessarily do that too because you could be looking at Gronkowski as coming in there and being more of just a red zone right. threat. But, like, but, you, but he could be a special tight end at this point. 12 games and three catches per game does not put him over. That's that is true. That is true. And look, I, I think everybody should temper their expectations. It's a great story, and in again this time where there's nothing going on. Being able to conjecture about it, being able to think about course, it and wonder, yeah. it's fun. It's its crazy to see Tom Brady in another uniform. It's crazy to see Gronk go with him. Is Edelman next? Who knows? All I know is this, that if you think for a second that the guy who won two Super Bowls with the Giants and then brought the Browns to the playoffs and then went out and won for the last 20 years in New England is not the main reason why they continuously win every year, then I don't think you've been paying attention. And I'm not knocking Brady. He, I think he's the GOAT. But at the same time, if you're going to tell me that, you know, Tom Brady's got an expiration date. I don't know when Bill Belichick's expiration date is. He's going to go when he's going to find soon. But isn't this, what the, isn't this what they've always done? Whether it be they've always Willie, had Brady, though. But they have, but they've always done this. They've always tried to get out before the expiration date. Whether it be Richard Seymour, whether it be Venetary, whether it, it be Jerry McGinnis, whether it be Mike Vrabel, it is. It's different. always different. And and the reason they didn't no, do this it two is, years this ago. Is by, this is above all those other It things. is. But remember, two years ago, they had the same option. Do we go with Garoppolo or do and will we move on with Brady? And because it was Brady, Kraft talked them into, the, no, let's go one more ride. Let's do it. One more dance, one more ride. And they did. And they got another Super Bowl out of it, so it worked. Last year was it. Bill Belichick has already been pushed to the limit of how long he's going to hold Tom Brady because he knows there's an expiration. That's the nature that, of that. That's team. true, but if the Patriots win eight games this year and Bill Belichick retires after next year, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't know. No one knows. I don't but see if, that if, but <laughs> if it did, if it did, you'd look back and go, "Wow, like what was the point of all that?" Um, anything can happen in the well, NFL. I think Brady put it best, Craig, when he said, "You know." It, it is kind of a silly comparison because he's the best at what he does, and I think I'm the best at what I do, or at least I try to be. And that's true. And when you put those kind of people together yeah. in a room, good things happen. It's the same thing with, you know, I think Phil Jackson's a hell of a basketball coach. You give him Michael Jordan, you're going to be dominant. You give him Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal, you're going to be dominant. And we've seen that in sports line up. And I don't think anybody wouldn't say Phil Jackson's a great basketball coach. You would agree, right? Of course. Right. So, I mean, sometimes we get that in sports, and that's – the stuff that dynasties are made of. And we're very lucky to have had it. And speaking of guys coming back too, 
Gronk's not the only one because it was like Percy Harvin's trying to work his way back. You think somebody will take a shot on him? I, I think he was running at Florida Field, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, he's in phenomenal shape. shape if you've seen the Yeah, workout. I mean, look, he's very smart. Whoever is representing him and doing his marketing, this is the exact day to do it. This is the exact time to do it. Let everybody know. Uh, you know, anybody posting any video of doing anything in this day and age is the right thing to do. I personally don't think Percy Harvin has any. I think I, he gets an invite to a camp somewhere. Of course he will. Oh, come on. That that goes without saying. But yeah. Once upon a time, he was quite a talent. Rookie yeah, once upon a time. Listen, I'm a, I, I'm a Gator. You don't have to tell me. He was one of my yeah. favorite players ever there. But, Joe, he is one hit away in the noggin from being done again. I yeah. Mean, well, this is another guy, too. migraines that he had over yeah. and over again. Oh, yeah. And I, I think some of those migraines also just your head hurts from trying to play for the Jets some years. Did just, he play for the Jets? He did for a short time. Garvin? Yeah, oh, he he bounced around there towards the end, I believe. I'm almost almost 100 percent sure. I'll go double check it on the break, but I mean, I want to say there was a year there for the Jets. I gotta I, check that right. Uh, now. But but That's Percy Harvin right. did kind of bounce around for a little bit. Go ahead, check and see if I'm right. Maybe I. You maybe may I'm, be. I don't. I, I mean, you could be. I, I just don't even. Remember I thought there that was a the year show. there where Percy Harvin was a Jet, but I mean, again, it was start out with the Vikings, and then where to go from there? I don't know if you pull it up real quick. But who? who who are the Percy Harvin strangers? He played, he played one year with the Jets. Right here. That's why I have no hair. Yeah. All the knowledge. But he went to Seattle, I guess, for the end of it or something. That's where it was. Seattle's where he finished. I couldn't remember where he finished. And then Buffalo. Oh, that's right. He had that ended. Oh, that's right. Oh, he had a couple moments with Seattle every now and then, the flash. But, hey, who knows? Let me do this in closing. I'll give you the Gronk touchdown total. Do you want, you want to take a stab at this one? Again, uh, these are not real lines. These are, these are my lines. Four. Uh, three and a half was the number. <laughs> okay, yeah. Three and uh, a half. I'll, I'll go over. I'll go over. That one maybe, I feel a little bit better on the over. Because that could be one you know, big game. Where on the one-yard line, you know, spike it in the end zone. I think that's what you do. You, you Gronk is still a, a tight. Gronk Make is him still what Gates a, was at red, the end. Right? Exactly. That's exactly where I was going. Make him the red zone tight end. Let O.J. Howard still be out there a little bit. And all of a sudden, I think you've, you've got something. Gronk's just there for the party, man. He's just there for the ride. That's what I'm here to. Me is, too. Is the, is the pandemic party. And coming up next, coming up next, it is time for us to do our little fantasy stadium tour. So we're going to go through one college football stadium, one college basketball stadium today. And we'll be back on Sports Grid right after this. Don't go DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish, we got Joe Pizzapia in the house as Joe Ranieri's got the morning off. But, of course, later tonight, you'll catch him on our NFL draft coverage. It all starts at 8 o'clock Eastern. Make sure you are on our website, sportsgrid.com. That's sportsgrid.com. Follow us on social media, at sportsgrid, also on Instagram. Although I don't have an Instagram, I'm told that you can head over to Instagram and follow us there. We'll be posting a lot of great videos information and news we're covering this draft from a fantasy perspective but 
that's the small piece. We are covering this draft from a betting perspective like nobody ever has. So make sure you tune in tonight. Everyone will be involved in it. Uh, Joe, I'm looking forward to watching tonight, sitting back and watching something live on television. I'm looking forward to you getting a, an Instagram account or or maybe maybe a little uh, Craig Mish uh, TikTok dancing. Maybe we can know, get some of that. I'm not I don't going get down that. those roads, man. I don't get the TikTok thing. I don't get it. You don't have anything. You're 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 like you're these guys. You got nothing. You got Twitter. That's it. That's he it. He does the Twitter. That's it for Craig Mish. That's all he's got. I I'll tell you what happened. Interestingly enough, oh, is, story time. Okay. I do have an Instagram now because I was getting so annoyed of going to Instagram but not being able to see anything. I see. So with my email address, I simply created like just a blank account. I didn't right. name it. I didn't do anything with it. And uh, but um, there was I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago there was a DJ D Nice is his name, and he was doing a whole party in his house and all that stuff. So I okay. wanted to see it and I wanted to watch it live. And you have to click on I that see. Instagram live thing. So my wife doesn't have Instagram either. Um, and I wasn't gonna, my daughter has it, but I wasn't going to take her phone. So uh, basically <laughs> I signed up for it. I got some weird name. I don't even know what it's called and, and I'm in. So I was able to, to watch all the stuff on Instagram. But the problem was, is because I put my email address in there, somebody got smart somehow and found me the worst. and, and, and put like a set a friend request. And I didn't say anything about it one way there. Cause I don't want to get started with that. I do not want to have I, uh, Craig I mean, Mish I is all popped out on friends. That's it. He's I may have to have one. It, it may have to happen for work purposes, but uh, you know, and I don't want any other things to have to log into, man. Like I'm good. Like this, SportsGrid.com. Check it. Next thing you know, that you start following somebody else because you you feel uh, guilty because you follow. It's like it. a Seinfeld thing. It's like, well, they follow me. Now I've got. I'm to in. Me. I'm in. I'm in. I mean, I gotta what, be. I mean, what am I supposed to do? What TikTok kind of friend? My daughter has. I do not have it. I'm aware of it. As soon as the show's over, I'm going to find you and friend you just for, oh, for the guilt. I'm going to look and just, go, oh, he's up here. And I just, honestly, I didn't, I tried to avoid Instagram for a while too because I do Facebook and obviously the Twitter. Right. But it's, and I call it the Twitter because it, it's funny. Uh, but I, I I really, really tried not to do Instagram. But unfortunately, last summer I had to for book purposes and show purposes. Oh, and yeah. is what you do. I mean, it's different people like I'm different platforms. Trying, I'm fighting it. I'm fighting it all the way. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, Instagram is the most low maintenance of any of them. So I could tell you that. And I think that's why people like it because it's, it's very low maintenance. Like here's a picture of something. That's it. There it is. It's a picture. Right. It's a video. Very but little. I, but interaction. I, I hear that once you have Instagram, you could just spend so much time scrolling and looking at people. You can, but you could do, you could scroll forever on Facebook too. It's, it's less. Well, I don't do Facebook either. That's what I'm saying. Like I got this down. I know I got this down. I wondered, I was going to ask you, but I obviously I know the answer now, but I always feel like if you've built yourself up on a platform, like you have, I have a 30,000 Twitter followers, right? I'm important. And then you join Instagram and you have 10, like, do you feel like a lesser person? Cause I feel uh, like, I don't, I, feel I, don't, like did. I don't think so. I don't right? think I some people do. I kind of did for a second. I was like, wow. I like, cause you just started it. I mean, I just started the Instagram last year and you have all these thousands of Twitter followers. You go, well, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not important. You see somebody who's like, who's that idiot? Why do they have 500,000? That's a fair point. But yeah, I don't, I don't think that I would feel that way about it because I would use it just essentially to look at what everybody else is doing, not mine. I think so. you should post, you know, pictures of you by the pool, workout videos. That's what your Instagram should be. Craig, Craig Mish living his best look life. At my, look at my new hair. Look at all my hair. Oh, let me tell you, the hair is really, I mean. Unbelievable. My wife's it, like, oh my gosh, you should never cut your hair short. I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, really? So I'm the getting wife, a haircut this weekend. 
No, I think you should grow it all the way out, man. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, if the wife likes it, what are you? What are you doing? She wants to run her fingers through. We are, the we are, we are so air. far going to be so far over on the segment. We're not even going to get to what we're supposed to. Talk That's about. all right. Let's get to it now. We'll do it. All right. So, let's get started here, Joe. This is our fantasy stadium tour. We've hit on all the good ones, probably. <laughs> I mean, that's just true. That's that's oh, I'm so happy to be here. Way to go. Sorry. I mean, it's just true. We've hit on a lot of the good ones here. It's like, it, it, there's still a lot of good ones left, and now we're starting to get into a lot more college than we did pro. We nailed all the pro, pretty much. I mean, it's I been mean, going on for a while now here. We're, at a, we're a month of doing this. I get the bad birthdays. You couldn't say one good thing for me? Well, I, I, listen, I, I think there are good players on this list, so let's, let's take a look at it here. We're going to start off with uh, Georgia Bulldog football here. The University of Georgia, Sanford Stadium in Athens, Georgia, opened up in 1929. It's our third straight stadium this week that opened up before 1930. It's pretty amazing. And, of course, home of the uh, Georgia Bulldogs. So before we take any step further, Joe, uh, Georgia, of course, in the SEC and, you know, certainly pounds out a lot of great talent every year. But the fact that since 1929, as you saw there on the graphic, they only have two college football championships They've always been right there, but they've sort of been unable to kind of take it to the next step. That's why Mark Richt ended up leaving. They kind of ran him out for only winning every single year he was there, but didn't win a lot of college football and no college football championships, so he ended up leaving. And now Kirby Smart is there and seems to be doing a good job, but when you think of Georgia, you know, you think of, wow, look, they got passed up by Florida. They won a few championships. Wow, they got passed up by LSU. They won two. You got passed up by Alabama, you know, so... Still a very prestigious university, but not quite the amount of cachet as some of the other SEC schools. No, and, you know, you also have to wonder some of those great Georgia Bulldog teams, had there been a college football playoff, would that number be greater? You know, they might have been. You know, some of those teams were around the precipice, but it is kind of shocking when you see that, too, in such a storied franchise of of college football like Georgia that you think more than two, but no, it's, it's just the two. Uh, but the, I always think of the running backs when I think of Georgia. That's what I think. What comes to mind, it's like, uh, especially in recent years, too, you know, you've had, uh, you've had Sony Michelle, you've had Gurley, Nick Chubb, just in the last, you know, four or five years alone. And you got DeAndre Swift this year, and then you go back a little while to Terrell Davis, uh, to Rodney Hampton, no Sean Moreno. I mean, this is – and, of course, I haven't mentioned the biggest one, which I know is going to be on your yeah, list. We'll but, I mean, it's a yeah. to me, Georgia, it's – Who's the running back? That's what I want to see. That's what I want to know. It's kind of been the identity. You know, sometimes it's the, you know, who's the quarterback of this team? Who's the uh, who's the linebacker uh, at USC? Who's the middle linebacker? Well, who's the running back at Georgia? That's how I think of them. Yeah. And the criteria for this, Joe, essentially is not how they played in the NFL. It's how they played in college. Sure. So uh, all those names are great, by the way, that you brought up, and especially Terrell Davis, who would have been on my honorable mentions. But the reality is, is that Hall a lot of <laughs> yeah, a pro football Hall of Famer. Yeah. But uh, what the reality is is that a lot of these players that from about the 90s on just simply didn't stay in school beyond their junior year, so they don't rack up the stats like some of the other guys did in the past. And listen, maybe that's something I'll have to readjust. But simply put, uh, you know, Chubb, you know, basically on the scene for two years, Sony Michelle on the scene for two years. And so uh, not iconic Georgia Bulldogs, but clearly you're right, a lot of great running backs that uh, played there. So. Uh, we'll start off, and here we go. Here are the all-time great Georgia players. We'll start off with Frank Sinkwich, who I had no idea existed until I looked him up. Honestly, transparency was the Heisman Trophy Award winner with Georgia. There you go, Sinkwich. Uh, back in the 40s. Okay, so there you go. That's 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 who he is. But if we're doing our research here and we're putting guys in there that were legends there, this guy won a Heisman. 
Like, hey, on Diamond Bets, we talked about Pie Trainer the other day being the best third baseman of the uh, Pirates because it, it, he just is. I don't know how long we were going to talk about Pie Trainer. Yeah, it's, it's just the answer. It. Sometimes you, got, you, you have to be fair and you have to uh -huh. do it right. So, and listen, sometimes I mess up. It's, this is my list, obviously. Uh, Herschel Walker, you see the picture of him there, 1980 uh, Heisman Trophy winner, uh, college football champion. Uh, top pick overall. I, I mean, what are you going to say? He's one of the best college running backs of all time in Herschel Walker. Of course, not a great NFL career as he did in college, but we're focused here on college, and, and he's probably the best bulldog of all time, too. Well, certainly uh, the most identifiable, I would yeah. say, too. And, and here's the other question about Herschel Walker, too. You know, he did have some great moments in the USFL, too. Do you think... Do you think the Herschel Walker professional legacy got hurt by the fact that the you know part of it was spent in the USFL? No, I think that trade hurt him. I think that was the crusher. Yeah, you, I mean, how, how could anybody possibly live up to a trade like that? It arguably goes down as as the worst trade in the history of the NFL. Essentially, I mean, it was the Vikings building the Cowboys for championships. Yeah, Herschel Walker was okay with Minnesota. Don't get me wrong; he was still okay. But come on, man. He was okay. It was also later in his career, and he had some mileage on him by then. But I, I think you also think about, you know, we've seen teams do that, and not not quite to that extent. But I got to give Jimmy Johnson and them credit because they hit on so many of those picks That's too. True. I mean, that the 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 batting average on those picks of Jimmy Johnson over those two years that he got for Herschel Walker that was staggering. How good they yep. were. We got David Pollock who was the all-time tackles leader at Georgia, played four years there. He's got to be here. Champ Bailey, uh, there's some folks who feel Champ Bailey is the best player ever at Georgia, period. Mm -hmm. uh, played both sides, offensively and defensively, and uh, Hall of Famer, every college football Hall of Famer, pro football Hall of Famer, everything. Uh, A.J. Green was an absolute stud in, uh, in college at Georgia. It's kind of between him and Terrence Edwards, I think, maybe for the best wide receiver ever there. And then Matthew Stafford will uh, will cap off with him. Although again, there is some debate that David Green had a better college football career than Matthew Stafford at Georgia. So uh, that's what I got here, Joe. You gave some good, uh, you know, other running backs too. Rodney Hampton's another one that I think people forget about because again, oh, he, was so long, he was good. <laughs> he was yeah. good in college, though, Rodney Hampton. I, I'm curious about AJ Green, which why you know, since it's kind of relevant with the draft coming up in just a few hours. You know, do you see now A.J. Green kind of, you know, he had a year off, basically. I know it was an injury, but we all know it was like an injury with an injury, right. <laughs> you know. Maybe 10 weeks of injury. and 10 weeks of injury and eh, maybe just kind of sat around a little bit for the rest of it, not wanting to put himself in harm's way. But, yeah. you know, is this a spot here where we get a rebound here with A.J. Green or are you kind of out of the A.J. Green business? Because I think personally I would, I would love I'm for out. him to like to stay in, in Cincinnati, but mm – -hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't seem it's, realistic. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be tough because you have Mixon holding out. A.J. Green, not sure what's going on with him. He says he wants to be there. I mean, Joe Burrow's kind of coming into a tricky situation there. But then again, that's what you get for, you know, a one-win team, right? Remember when we did the fantasy football show, we talked about Mixon holding out? That's playing out, huh? Yeah. Oh, and Dalvin Cook is next, my friend. Those are the two we kept yeah, talking about. I don't about. see how Dalvin Cook will play either. Yeah. No, and you know what? Here's the thing: the Vikings have more leverage there. I think it's going to be harder for Cook, but Mixon's going into his last year, so I mean. Well, look, uh, Mixon should hold out. Mixon yeah. will hold out, and I think that if you are the Bengals, you want to get that deal done because you want the best way to support the young quarterback is to give him a, a believable running game. I Whereas agree. Delvin Cook, where's the leverage there with Minnesota with Madison there? I don't get it. Uh, and, and he's been hurt. And, uh, okay. Let, let's go over to uh, college basketball here and our iconic stadium of the day, iconic team of the day, 
is the Duke Blue Devils, of course, of Cameron Indoor Stadium, Durham, North Carolina. They opened up that stadium in 1940 and uh, home of probably the most popular college basketball team of all time. If it's not Duke, perhaps it's Kentucky. Kentucky we did a, a couple of weeks ago, and they've won five NBA championships. And so, look, whenever you think of Duke, Joe, I mean, it is synonymous with winning. It's more synonymous with their head coach, Mike Krzyzewski, for sure, who will go down as probably the best college basketball coach of all time, I would assume. Yeah. Um, nobody likes Duke, though. <laughs> everybody kind of like, loves to hate Duke. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it, a lot of people hate uh, on what they wish they had. You know, a lot of people hate yeah. the Patriots. People hate – it's funny. They love a good Cinderella story success, but they just don't want you to be great every year. And I don't get that. I mean, excellence – But yet is, more people are watching this Bulls documentary than – Right. Well, you know, it's funny. I feel like the Bulls are, are one of the few that kind of transcends that, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because of the kind of player Michael Jordan was, how fun he was to watch. But it, it's funny. I feel like the Bulls dynasty almost transcends some of these others in the sense of likability factor. You know, I mean, a lot of people like the I 70s Steelers. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like basketball kind of lends itself to that one great shining star more than almost any other sport because the guy with the ball in his hand changes everything. And for this, obviously, for the Duke players here, there were a couple of those guys who made that happen. Yeah. All right, uh, here's the iconic Duke basketball players, uh, essentially, of all time. We've got one through five here. We'll run them down and then break it down. Danny Ferry, number one, for sure. All-American three straight years at Duke. Championship two. Christian Leitner hit the, one of the biggest basketball buckets of all time, too. Champion with them. Grant Hill. Uh, college basketball player of the year champion as well. Bobby Hurley through those years was uh, the best point guard in college basketball. Mm -hmm. Certainly his pro career, not quite the same and had a very bad injury um, in a car accident yeah. too. And then uh, Shane Battier will, will cap off the top five. And I feel like this is a pretty solid top five. I don't feel awesome. like I really left anybody out. No, I, I think Outside it's a great putting Krzyzewski on a list here. I think. <laughs> no, it's a terrific list here. Uh, the I Hate Christian Leitner 30 for 30 documentary is fantastic for anybody who hasn't seen it. Even if you're not a college basketball fan at all, like I'm not a big college basketball guy, it's fantastic. You got to watch it. It's a must watch. Uh, and with Grant Hill and Bobby Hurley, I think those are two guys in the what ifs, kind of like we talked about Troy Aikman in hour one. Where, you know, you wonder, okay, what if he didn't have that injury? What if Grant Hill had stayed healthy? Grant Hill was a was yeah, an all-world talent, and that was a guy that just every year there was some injury that caused him to miss significant time, and it was After the it Pistons, was sad. He went to Orlando. Oh, it was just – it was sad to watch that kind of disintegrate because he had so much ability. And, and look, Bobby Hurley – you know, from one of the great basketball families, too. Let's not forget that. And Leitner, another guy, too. Leitner played on the dream team, for God's sakes. A lot I of people know. forget that. This guy played on the dream team. I had team. the cup. I had the Burger King cup. Who was the other college player, right? Was he the only one, or were there two? He was the only one. It was just Leitner, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, one guy, college player, Christian Leitner, played on the dream team, and then he never really became a great NBA player, which is yeah. kind of okay. sad. Okay. He was all right. Had a good career, but not the star that he was in college, oh. you know? Yeah, uh, Jay Williams would have made the honorable mention. That's there. a good one. Uh, Carlos Boozer is another one. And uh, Trajan Langdon, who you know, was really not an NBA player, was just a, a just great shooter at Duke and played on uh, yeah. their championship teams as well. Okay, so uh, here's what we're going to do. We'll take a quick time out right here on Fantasy Sports Today. When we come back next, it's time for our final look at some player draft positions for tonight's NFL draft. We're going to dive into... 
offensive line and defensive line and give you the odds on about five or six of those. And you can get involved right now by just logging on to FanDuel right now. Go to the FanDuel Sportsbook. And if you have an opinion on any of those, you want to get down some money and you live in a place where you can actually play on FanDuel like New York, excuse me, not New York, uh, like New Jersey, West Virginia, Illinois, Indiana, some of the places where they have FanDuel, head on over to there, get yourself involved in the NFL draft tonight. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today in just a couple of minutes. Craig Bish, Joe Pizzapia in for Joe Ranieri, and we're back right after this commercial time. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show. we got the NFL Draft coming up tonight. We're going to dive into all of the odds for offensive linemen and defensive linemen as to where or where they may not be taken. Before we do that, Joe, what did you think about this story yesterday that broke uh, late that uh, golf is back in the month of May, and it's going to be some iteration, according to Darren Rovell, of uh, Phil Mickelson versus Tiger Woods. And uh, Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning in what they're calling Champions for Charity. It is a live event, so that is cool. Uh, I, and I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> well, depending on how uh, good or bad you, you are at golf, I guess, is the social distancing, right? If I'm hitting balls in the rough somewhere, then I'm nowhere near anybody if I'm not near the fairway. Uh, look, I think anything that anybody could do right now for charity is great. I know for the Black Book, we tried to help out the New York City Food Bank this past weekend, uh, trying to raise some money. There, we've done a lot of charities this year, but look, obviously what's going on, some serious things right here. Uh, I lost somebody that I used to work with. Uh, if you live in this New York, New Jersey area, everybody knows somebody, either personally that has either had it or dealt with it or has lost somebody from it or all of the above. So uh, I think it's great that these guys are going out there and doing something to raise some money for good causes and trying to help people out. Uh, and just, you know, a shout out to all those people on the front lines, not just the healthcare workers, but also all those people who are working those grocery store jobs in the front lines, you know, those, uh, they don't pay as much as the doctor jobs. And I think yeah. those are the people too. We got to give them a lot of credit. Those, those gigs in there, those food service jobs. We want to thank those people too. who are keeping uh, food on the tables for a lot of people here in this country right now. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said there. So we'll uh, check out this, uh, this champions golf tournament. That your money on. Let's turn it into betting. Come on. Is this, I mean, this there'll, be, there'll be a way I'm sure. Yeah, come I mean, on. I, who, I, I mean, I would, I would take tiger woods, of course. It's Tiger and who? It's Tiger and... It's just, it's just Tiger versus Phil and, and Brady Oh, I thought they Finn. were like a team. That would have been I don't fun. think so. Uh, I want the pros versus uh, pros versus Joes or semi-pros. I, I think that would be fun. Yeah. You know, let's get John Smoltz out there. He's the Mr. Golf guy. Let's get him out there golfing for charity. Yeah, Smoltz is great. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it's on TNT, by the way. There you go. See, more things to watch. When the NFL draft's over... Bingo. But we're focused on the draft for tonight, so let's get back to that. Okay. All right, so here we go, Joe. We're going to go through one, two, three offensive linemen here and a couple of defensive linemen. Okay. Uh, Everyone seems to be predicting the most offensive linemen ever taken in the first 10 picks. We'll see if that plays out tonight. We don't know that to be a fact, but let's just kind of walk it through, Joe, and uh, love your opinions on, on these guys here. So let's start off with Tristan Wirfs. 
and you're looking at the FanDuel Sportsbook odds right now. They're sitting at eight and a half. The over is plus 125, so that would be later than pick eight, essentially. You would be risking 100 to win $125. And then we have the under eight and a half at minus 145. Most people feel Willis, I'm sorry, Wills will be the first lineman picked, but Wirfs and Andrew Thomas are both in the conversation, but let's lead off here with Wirfs, Joe. You have an opinion on this one way or the other? I do. I think if the Giants stay at four, that he's their guy. I really do. I think Wirfs slides in really well there, uh, the tackle side. God knows they have a hole there and have for some time. The other experiments they've tried have not worked, so I actually think that he is going to go at number four overall if the Giants don't trade out, and there's, a, I would think, a 75% chance that they stay right where they are, and I, I think he's going to be their guy, so I actually think this is an opportunity here. Uh, that's where I would go. What are your thoughts here on Werfs? It, I mean, it sounds right. I mean, I think that there's a chance that Wills could be their guy, too. Uh, I think there's no doubt that a couple of <clears throat> offensive linemen are going, and we does anybody really have a sense what Detroit is planning on doing? Really uh, yeah, does Detroit have a sense with Detroit? That's the problem Anybody with Detroit. Has, yeah. I, I think they're going to go cornerback. Uh, I th- I would say Okuda is probably the, their guy. It seems like, but it seems like it. Like no and, smoke with them at all. Uh, no, but I mean, I don't think Matt Patricia is a smoke kind of guy. I mean, they got the three pick. Basically, you know the one and two. So basically, you get whoever you want. <laughs> it's a it's a really unique draft in that sense. There's a definitive one two. And then after that, it's like, okay, it's kind of open season and it's kind of needs. And you mentioned about offensive line in this draft. I think it's because we have so many good young quarterbacks right now that everybody's realizing that's the investment and we have to protect the investment if we're going to be successful. If a quarterback goes down, so too goes the organization, so too goes the season. So it's more important than ever to make sure you get these O-line picks right. And luckily, it's a pretty good draft for them in the first round. Yeah, and it's not always like that. And you know, no, that's, it's not. Why, that's why sometimes you know, these offensive linemen go first overall. And, you know, that could definitely be uh, a factor in it. But in this particular case, I think that there's a lot of them. And I think that a lot of them will go high. It's a good Uh, draft and there's a lot of need. It's a good combination year to see that happen. Yeah. Okay, let's go over to Jedrick Willis of Alabama. And he was a a stud there, no doubt. Uh, His odds have essentially moved up to the point that there's some thought that he'd be the first offensive lineman taken off the board. I mean, is I mean, look, you looking at the numbers right here, over eight and a half is plus 180, so you risk 100 to win 180, but look at this under 8.5 at minus 220. Now, this is not indicative of the fourth pick or the fifth pick. Again, we're just dealing with 8.5 here, which is what FanDuel has posted, but there's no value, Joe, whatsoever in going under 8.5 here, so you would have to basically you know, throw a dart and hope that he slips a little bit in the draft, but it doesn't seem to Yeah, be. and that's why it's a stay away for me because I think – I don't think he's going to go later than eight. I think Arizona at eight there is a perfect spot for him. You bring in DeAndre Hopkins, you got Kyler Murray, you got Fitzgerald, you've you've got Kenyon Drake in there. You've got a lot of offensive pieces. Now you got to protect the offense. You got to give Kyler Murray some time. I think Wills slides in perfectly there. So if he doesn't go four, like you said to the Giants, I can't see him getting past eight unless there's some kind of weird trade thing that happens where people move around slots. So that being said, barring that aspect happening. I think you kind of stay away from this one if there's no money to be made on the under. Don't you agree? Not, not really unless they would change the number, like unless they would change it to mm. um, six 
If it was seven. six, then I think you can get involved in that because if you do think worse, I'm, I'm the just guy not risking. I'm not putting minus two twenty down on anything in the NFL draft. <laughs> well, it's uh, again. This is. Uh, I feel like this is uncharted territory because I don't think we've ever had. Oh, definitely not this to this degree. To definitely. this degree, no, it's to even. this degree, and I think it's kind of great. It's added another element to the draft oh, that sure. hasn't really been there in the past, and it's already something there that everybody loves to watch, and and now there's a lot of action on it too, which is terrific. FanDuel had odds last year. But we were not but doing odds is, of offensive and defensive yeah. linemen. And I, I think I think this is going to be the beginning of the annual version of this, too. Of course this is not going away. Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, Andrew Thomas. Look, some people thought Andrew Thomas, Joe, was going to be the number one pick in the draft going into the 2020 college football <laughs> season. Remember, Joe Burrow was a nothing going into 2020. It was like Kyler Murray from the year before. Uh, it's not that Thomas had a bad year. It's just some a couple of other guys played better than him. Joe Burrow threw 60 touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, that's what happened. But but look, Andrew Thomas was thought of going into the season as the number one college football player in the country. And now he's probably second or third, depending on how you feel about him. But uh, blocked at a high level for three years at Georgia. And his number is 10 and a half, as you see there. And it's a plus 135. So... If he goes later than 10 and you bet 10 bucks, you make a little bit of money. But what the odds are basically telling you is there's almost no chance that that's going to happen because under 10 and a half is sitting at minus 160. So, again, if you lose out on a couple of these top offensive linemen, Joe, if that's how you feel that they're top offensive, top offensive linemen, then you end up with Andrew Thomas. And I have a hard time you know, understanding how the evaluation could change so much on a player. I'm going to guess that something must have happened in the combine or – uh, toward the end of the season for for uh, for Thomas at Georgia, but um, I would probably lean toward the under here. I mean, I I would rather lay 160 to win 100 than lay 220, but neither of these really tickled me at all. I I think the interesting part here is I, I don't know if any something that he did wrong. I just think it's you know certain guys maybe got to that same level as him or or closer than people realize. And that happens every year. You know, there's always expectations going into any professional or college football season. And their expectations don't always mount up where there's guys, you know, I mean, look at last year. I mean, going into last year, a friend of mine took uh, Kyler Murray in a super flex draft I was in before a very uh, an industry guy before Aaron Rodgers went off the board. And I kind of looked at him like, oh, geez, man, I don't like Rodgers, but I don't know if I'd do that. And he wasn't wrong. So, um, I think a lot of this Andrew Thomas action depends on what, <laughs> how dumb you think the Cleveland Browns are. So th- he should not get past the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns should no. take him. That He should be the guy there, and that's why the number is set at 10, because that's where I think the consensus, when you know, look at the Jeremiah's and all the guys that do this for a living, they kind of have him going somewhere in this range and typically to Cleveland. I would be very surprised if they didn't do this, but then again – would the Browns doing something stupid ever surprise you? No, of course not. So the one team that can throw a wrinkle into this is Jacksonville because somebody could potentially, again, go into a deal with them where Jacksonville continues to move down and move out. And if they do, that'll be fascinating to watch. But I, I think he's a lock there at 10. Okay. And I mean, do you think this is something where he falls outside the top 10? Doesn't seem like it's it. Hard to, it's hard Number to imagine. not telling you that. Well, but I, I think also the need of the, you know, you could make an argument that he goes four, right? You could you could make that argument. I don't know if it's a good one, but if you love that player more than Will, I don't than I don't Earth. like the evaluations after the season ends till now. I, I'm just not a fan of that. I, I'm a fan of what happened. I'm not a combine guy, you know that. I'm an on the field. What did you do on the field? 
You know, I see a lot of guys who could put well, up a lot. That's why. Of I mean, we have the quarterback inflation again this year. I mean, Jordan Love was not a first-round pick in any anybody's draft board, Joe. Nobody uh, had a first-round I don't think guy. he's a first-round grade either as a quarterback. But it's inflation, but, and you reach up, you got to get ahead. I know, but here's the thing I'm going to say about Jordan Love. I, I, When you told me he was a second-round pick or a third-round pick, I go, okay. You know, because I, I see the talent. I see the raw ability there. Where you could he pick him and turn about him up. during the football season. Yeah, and I I've seen the footage. I I see, you know, when I do the quarterback evaluations, like I see good things there where you could get something out of it. I saw a lot of things where I like Josh Allen, and people told me I was crazy for liking Josh Allen. And yeah, he's not perfect. He's far from, but he's winning games in the NFL right now. So you know, it's a different league right now. The athletic quarterback is what you want. It's what you, where things are moving towards. I know. I'm just saying. I, I'm just okay. I know but you're right. The draft rate has risen because it, of combine inflation. It happens right. every. It happens every. It does. Day. In fact, I think on our show, I said, "Here's what's going to happen. The season's going to end." Yeah. Oh, you definitely said combine. Jordan Love will be a number one, a uh, first round pick. You're right. But he's not. You're so not. don't be surprised tonight if he doesn't go in the first round because he doesn't belong in the first round. <laughs> that's, I'm with you. That's just the way it is. I agree. I don't with even you. think Herbert belongs in the first round, but. I, right. You know what? I think I agree with you there, too, uh, unless you are a team that's will. Some teams are in a unique position where they want they're OK to wait. And I think Herbert's a guy that you could say, all right, well, we can wait a year or two. And I think they're willing to do that because next year's class, I, I think it's Trevor Lawrence and everybody else. Right. Yeah, yeah. I like Jalen Hurts. I would think uh, third best. Hurts is another guy too that I, I like. With him. You. I feel like we're in the minority about this. Another like project where you take this guy. The guy won a championship at Alabama. He threw for a billion touchdowns at Oklahoma. What? Because he's a little short. Oh come on. So is Kyler Murray. Last time I checked, like he's, you know what? Uh, that's another one too where I don't get why people are so negative there on Hurts. And if it's a size issue, I mean Russell Wilson ain't that big. Kyler Murray certainly not that I big. I would take Hurts over. All of the other guys except for Tua and uh, Burrow. And Tua I'm with you. Again, one and I'm one with you. You and I finally agree all these years. Look at this. All right, finally. All right, have a great day. No, okay. All right, see you later, boys. Okay, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Let's go back uh, here. Defensive line. Let's go uh, Derek Brown. Uh, seven and a half, Joe. We're looking at a total here is plus 155. The under seven and a half is minus 180. So, oof, another one where we don't have a ton of value here. We just kind of have to hope that he slips a little bit. And look, these are odds that are not going to be produced live, Joe. Once the draft starts, they're going to take them down off FanDuel because there simply is not going to be enough reaction time for the books this year. We just mm-hmm. No one really knows what's really happening. But uh, I would guess the under probably comes in. There are some that say he's going to be the sixth pick overall. But, I mean, I... I, I go over. Fun. I'm going to surprise you. Take a shot you. here? Yeah. I think, I think Jacksonville's where he ends up. If Jacksonville stays in that spot, or if he should fall to nine... Somebody I could see moving up to take him because if you do think that it's going to be Tua at five, if you do think it's going to be Herbert at six, well then, okay, who's left there? Could Carolina take him there? Probably. Arizona's not because they're looking for O-line help first and foremost. I think Simmons is what Carolina's looking for because you want to fill that Luke Keekley void. So I think nine is where he lands, and I think you take – I think this is an easy one, actually. I would think I'm more confident in this one than some of the others. Yeah. All right, and let's uh, let's close it out here. Our final one of the show, Javon Kinlaw, <laughs> sixteen and a half. Joe, uh, sixteen and a half is the total. Minus one fifty-five on the over, and plus one thirty on the uh, the under. I didn't want to go any deeper than this. No, look, I, I'll throw the dart. I'll say that's over. Awesome. I'll say over, but barely at seventeen to the Cowboys. That's that's where I, I think. I think when I'm you start to get in this range, 
If you're going to bet, very wide if, open. if you're going to bet tonight, take that hundred or fifty that you're going to put on Kinlaw and go toward the top and make a better decision. <laughs> Feel better about something near the top. Or make a I donation mean, to charity for uh, the food banks in New York. I mean, if you get to that yeah. point, and you're, I mean, look, it's it's the NFL draft. People think it's so easy to predict. Go take a look at the mock drafts from the experts the last few years. They're nowhere close to what they were going. They never in. are. They never are. Well, and that and that's the fun of the draft. You know? Of course it is, but th- but this is guessing. Top ten is is a good way to I think start your night. Um, where where would your gut tell you on Kinlaw? Mine says Dallas. Where, where if you had to put him in a landing spot, does one pop to uh, you? Or my, you- my, in general, I'm an under guy with betting games in sports. In the NFL draft, as I looked at these, my guess is all of them go later on. I would I, I in a, in a vacuum, I would take everyone and make them drop. Yeah, I think Atlanta or Dallas. But then again, you know, you've got that string there where Denver and Atlanta both need corner help. I think Chason's going to go to Tampa. I really do. I think they're going to go with an edge rusher there. And then I think Kinlaw is going to be that guy, defensive tackle. And that, that to me, is, is where it Good ends thing. up. Good. All right. Well, I will be back with you guys tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern for our coverage of the 2020 NFL Draft. We have a lot of people involved in it. I'm just a very small piece. Whenever the Dolphins are on the board, and whenever the Dolphins are picking or something's going on with them, I'm going to pop in and out with our other great hosts that are there. That's the extent of it for me uh, tonight in the draft. So make sure you tune in for all of that. You can catch Joe's show uh, every weekend, Diamond Best with Matt Stryker. And, Joe, thanks so much for uh, filling in today. It's been great working with you, as always. Great doing the show with you. And I wish you and your family all the best in terms of safety and health. And I'm sure we'll be doing something again soon. <laughs> you never <laughs> know. Can't you keep us apart, Greg Mish. It's just like peanut butter and jelly, baby. Minus, minus, minus 150 that we end up doing a <laughs> Whatever. show. Oh, we're always going to be the over, you and I. Always going to be At over on point. shows you and I do. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, also, a uh, special thanks to Brett Levy for helping out today and uh, doing a little bit more than usual today, of course, with all the things that we have in draft preparation. And uh, everybody here at SportsGrid has been awesome. Thank you guys uh, for making sure that we put a good show for you guys on tonight. It's going to be great. I hope you guys tune in. Until then, for Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. I'll see you tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern for our coverage here on Sports Grid on the Draft. Have a great night, everybody. See you. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.